We begin today's shiur ten lines from the top of Daf Ayin Hay on a pasuk in Dvorim, in that is Vayikra Perik Chav Beis Pasuk Dalid, and the pasuk had read Ish Ish Mizera Aroin Vutzarua Oizov Bakodoshim Lo Yochal Ada Sher Yitar. There is. Uh, there was an approach taken by the Tonah de Yishmael, that's a Tanaic source that was taught in the Yeshiva of Rabbi Yishmael, that indicated that that Posik was talking about a Zav, as the Posik said, it was, it opened up and said, who was a Baal Shtei Rios. That means he had, this was a male that had a certain type of male emission, that's called Zav, and he had two of those emissions, two on the same day or two on two su- uh, successive days. There was also reference made to a mitzora who was in a waiting period in order to establish whether he is truly afflicted with tzoras, and that was called a mitzora musgar. What's common to a zav bal rios and a mitzora musgar is that they are tome for a Seven. There's a seven-day tuma period, the, at the conclusion of which there is no sacrifice that is brought. However, we have a tana here with, with which we open up our shiur today that refers to the same posseg vayikra perik chov beis posseg dalid, but says that it's that posseg is referring to a zav that had three sightings, three emissions. Uh, and a mitzora that was muchlat. Muchlat means he was. Dis- it was decided that he is a definite mitzora, not a sofek or questionable mitzora, but a definite mitzora. At the conclusion of these two periods of defilement of tumah, there is a requirement to bring a sacrifice. Until that point they are referred to as mechusrei kapora, meaning even if they went to the mikveh and the sunset, which is part and parcel of general purification with regard to certain cases of defilement, as is the zav that had three sightings or the mitzorah that was viewed as a definite mitzorah, called a mitzorah muchlot, they have to bring a sacrifice. And until they bring the sacrifice, so they don't achieve full purification. The uh, m- one of the most prominent manifestations of this defilement is with regard to the eating of sacrifices, namely that even though for other areas that require purity, one is said to be tohor even without the bringing of the sacrifice. With regard to the consumption of sacrificial meat or meal offerings, the individual is considered tome until he brings those sacrifices, as we said, which is brought on the day following the last day of purification, which involves the mikveh and sunset. The next day, a sacrifice is brought. So now we pick up the Gemara, ten lines from the top. And according to the 
Tanaic approach that differs with the the, the Tana of Bay Rabbi Shmuel de Omar that says Bezav Bal Sholushrios Uvemitzro Muchlot Hakosov Medaber. This school of thought says that that very posik in Vayikra Perikhov based posik Dalit is dealing with a person who is mechusur kapora who needs to bring the sacrifice as is the case with a zav bal sholashrias he had three emissions or the mitzora muchlot v'hai asher itar and the expression ad asher itar in the posuk means ad demaisi kapora in other words that he's viewed as still tomei until he brings kapora brings kapora means until he brings the sacrifices. Trey Kroy Bekotchim Lomani Lomali. Why do I have to have two sources that express this idea? One source being in the case of a Yoledes, a woman who gave birth, and the other source being with uh, being the Zav. Two Psukim, two sources where this idea is mentioned that kapora is ma'akev, that they cannot eat sacrifices until they bring their sacrifices. In, in other words, couldn't the Torah have written this idea that you cannot partake of sacrifices until you bring your requisite korbonus that conclude the tumor period, and I would be able to derive the other topic from having stated one the Gemara says, Srichi, I need both topics to be spelled out. The ikos of Rachmonobio Ledes had the Torah written in the case of a woman who, who uh, gave birth, and a woman who gives birth, the Torah dictates that she is in a state of tumah for uh, 40 days in the case of a male birth and 80 days in the case of a female birth. So had the Torah written this idea that the bringing of the sacrifices that concludes her tumor period is a re, is a binding factor in order to be able to partake of kotshim of, of sacrifices. Mishum de meruba tumasa. There, it has a certain stringency to it in that it has its meruba means a lot of tumor. A lot of tumor means it's an eighty-day tumor period. Avol bezav. But in the case of the male who experienced the three emissions, which results in him being uh, uh, tome for seven days, I might have thought that in his case, <coughs> he could partake of sacrifices even without the bringing of the requisite, uh, the required korban, the required sacrifice at the end of his tumor period. The ikos of Rahmona Bazav had the Torah written the necessity of bringing the sacrifice in the case of the Zav, the Lohuter Michlolo. We don't find any element of leniency where we relax the Tuma stringencies. That's Huter Michlolo. Huter means something that's allowed. Michlolo from the category, from its, from the general category of being uh, prohibited. We don't find Huter Michlolo in the case of Zav. Avol Yodledes. In the case of a Yoledes, we find a, an, a point of leniency. What's the point of leniency? That a woman, after having given birth according to Torah law, once again, we're not dealing with practical applied halacha, but according to the Torah, this woman can see uh, a female type blood flow, and she remains 
tohor. She remains ex, uh, allowed, permitted to her husband. So there's an element of leniency that we find in the case of Yoletus that you don't find in other cases of Tumor. You don't find in the case of Azav. So I would have thought that maybe in the case of Yoletus, which is, uh, which is Huter Michlala, so maybe the bringing of the sacrifice at the conclusion of her, of her birth period, uh, that sacrifice is not a binding or restrictive factor when it comes to her eating of sacrifice, sacrificial meat. Tzricha, therefore, it has to be spelled out in the case of Yoletis as well. We are about to read a posuk from Vayikra, Perak Yudal of Posuk Lamed Beis. On the side of the Gemara, we have uh, this posuk spelled out. It's it found in the context of Shrotzim. The Shrotzim are different, uh, eight different creatures that the Torah uh, enumerates as being uh, capable of uh, conveying defilement if they're dead. So it says, "V'chol asher yipol olav mayhem b'moisam yitma." Any of them of the shrotsim that falls upon something else, it will become tamei mikol kli eitz obeged o or o sak kol kli asher yalsem alacha b'hem. Pasuk is describing if some sheretz meat, uh, dead sheretz meat, falls on a vessel if it's made of wood, of cloth, of uh, leather, or of sack. So it becomes the vessel becomes tame for the balance of the day until it's immersed in a mikveh and the sun sets. So the Posik says, Lomo Li. The Rashi. This pasuk that um, we just read is dealing with truma, meaning that if he if there was tumas sheretz, so it will um, it will be considered tome until immersion and setting of the sun, and then it can be used. That vessel can be used with truma. So. I, uh, and how do we know that it's talking about truma? Me boy hair of shemesh, from the fact that sunset is necessary. That's a necessary factor when it comes to truma eating. In, in other words, one who was defiled, he cannot partake of truma until the uh, the uh, end of the defilement period and the sun sets. Well, this very point, tapokli mi uva hashemesh v'toher, and it goes on to say v'achar yochal min hakadoshim. Why couldn't the halacha be learned from that pasuk, which is found in Vayikra Perichov Beis, Pasuk Zayin? So what do I need this pasuk for? The pasuk of Vayikra Yud Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Beis. The Gemara continues, Omar Bizera, Lenegiah. Lenegiah means contact. The, the other pasuk that we refer to is a pasuk that refers to that deals with the eating of truma. Here we're talking about touching of truma. So the pasuk of bemayim yuva is talking about vessels, and vessels obviously don't eat things; they touch things that are put into them. So when we're also Rashi adds that the pasuk tells us the laws regarding the vessel touching the truma. 
after the vessel had been Tomei Tumas Sheretz, and the same will apply to a person who had been Tomei Tumas Sheretz. That, and, and the result of this is that a Tvuyom shall not touch Truma. Why not? Because what's a Tvuyom? He's a person that uh, finished the Tuma period, went to Mikveh, but the sun has not yet set. So we hear Rabbi Zero's explanation that the Posuk of Bemayim Yuvov, a Tomei Orev, the Toher is talking about Negiya, the Sanya. And before we continue, though, with this source, it will be making reference to a posuk in Vayikra, Perek, Yud Aleph, Posuk, Lamed, Beis. And you'll notice, as we um, indicated on the side, we have this posuk, and we have these words taken from the posuk. It says, Vitomei, Bemayim Yuvo, Vitomei, Yochol Akoil, is it Tomei for everything? Talmud Lomar, Vitoher. Right after that, it says, Adora vitoher. E vitoher. Vitoher means purified. Yochalakol is it considered purified for everything? Talmud Lomar vitomei. So, how are we to resolve this Pasuk? On the one hand, the Pasuk says that there is Tumah, that upon immersing it in the water, it's Tomei, and with the setting of the sun, it is Tohor. So how are we to make sense of these? Hoketzat, kan lemeiser, kan letruma. When it comes to meiser sheni, a certain level of tara is required, and that is the set, the the immersion in the mikveh. After one immerses in the mikveh, even if the sun has not set, he is considered tahor. However, for truma. The immersion in the mikveh is not enough. There has to be the setting of the sun as well. Now, there's a, a, a point in Rashi for, uh, that that uh, helps understand what the problem is, because when you read the pasuk, it said simply that the item is immersed, the vessel or the person that had been tomei immerses, and he remains tomei until adhoer v'toyer, and then with the setting of the sun, he becomes tor. In and of itself, that should have made perfect sense, that the immersion in the mikveh is not enough. However, the Pesach uses the term vitomei, and that is something Rashi points out. Yochol akol, we're reading Rashi now, Talmud Lomar vitoher. Is he tomei for everything? No, it says vitoher. Midolog si vayitar, from the fact that the Pesach does not use the word vayitar in that verb form, it indicates that he was really tor earlier, Kodim Herav Shemesh. He was tor even before the setting of the sun. And yet the Pesach said that he's Tomei until the sun sets. So we just explained that with regard to Meiser there is one standard, namely that the immersion in the mikveh is enough to create Tara for Meiser Shani eating. However, for Truma, there you have to have the sunset as well. The Gemara asks, the Epoch Ano, maybe we should switch these around. Mistabro kihechi de chamiro achilo de truma me achilo de meiser. It's most likely that just like the eating of truma is a more severe 
a serious matter than the eating of miser. In other words, the standards that we apply for truma eating are higher than the standards we apply to miser shame eating. So hachinami chamira nigia de truma minigia de miser. By the same token, more stringent are the standards that apply to contact with truma that it will require the setting of the sun as well as, or in addition to, the immersion in the mikvah, more so than the standard will apply to the uh, contact with miser, where if someone had been tome, it's enough that they immerse in the mikvah, or a vessel that had been tome is immersed in the mikvah, it's then subsequent contact with the miser sheni produce will not ruin it, even though the sun has not yet set. Another approach says that the laws concerning touching of truma are learned from the following posuk. The Kodesh Loisiga. Azhora Loichel. That is a warning against eating. Maybe that's a warning. A, a, a commandment not to not to touch Tamud Loimar Bechol Kodesh Lo Siga Velamikdash Lo Savoy Makish Kodesh Lamikdash. In this pasuk, you see a comparison to, between that which has been sanctified and the base Hamikdash. The Hamikdash is a ba- the base Hamikdash Lo Savo. Someone who was Tomei should not enter. Ma Mikdash Dover Sheishbo Natilas Neshama. Just like entrance to the base Hamikdash in the state of Tumah, we know carries with it a kores penalty. Af Kodesh, so too the reference to Kodesh in this pasuk, Dover Shiesbo Netilas Neshama. It's a reference to some aspect of that which is sanctified that would, in the state of Tumah, in, involve a kores penalty, and that happens to be eating. And with regard to touching, we don't find, there's no precedent for kores with regard to touching something. And that which the posuk, when referring to eating, uses the word losiga, even though it's a reference to eating, it is telling me the following that which means he who is usher to eat is usher to touch not that the touching would lead to a kores penalty but that we apply the standard uh, regarding qualifications who is qualified or alternatively disqualified from eating would be disqualified from or prohibited from touching. Let's take a look at the Rashi. Af Kodesh Dovar Shiesh Bo Natilas Neshama. When we read this posuk, the Chol Kodesh Lo Siga Ve'Al Mikdash Lo Sofoi, we understood that to mean that it's a reference to eating. Dahainu Achila Betuma. That's a reference to eating in a state of defilement. Shuhu Gabi Kodesh Bekores. In the case of eating something 
that is uh, of, sac- of a sacrificial nature in a state of tumah that could result in the kores punishment. For me, someone who eats truma in a state of defilement, when bodily defilement, that is punishable by death at the hands of heaven. So as we step back and look over this Gemara, we see sources that uh, there is a, a commandment, a prohibition of touching truma in a state of while one is Tomei. The Posuk we saw, the first Posuk was Vayikra Yudal of Posuk Lamed Beis. The second Posuk, which might be the source for Nagia of Truma, is Vayikra Perak Yud Beis, Posuk Dalit. We continue with a quote from the Mishnah, Ptua Daka, and the Mishnah went on to say, Nishayim Lo Yochlu Betruma. The wife of a uh, Kohen that experienced this uh, I- this injury of Tsuadaka, which we have discussed in the past, has to do with a uh, an injury to the uh, man's repro- uh, uh, reproductive organs, the male organs of reproduction. The Mishnah says that one, if a Kohen experiences that, so his wife cannot eat from Truma. Now, you have to uh, remember that which it said in the Mishnah, namely that uh, if a Kohen couple, in other words, the man was a Kohen married to a woman, the woman was not necessarily from a Kohen family, but the fact she was married to Kohen, that entitled her to eat from Truma. Then, in the course of their married life, he experienced this uh, um, injury of Ptsua Daka. As long as he has not cohabited with her after that injury, she is allowed to continue eating from truma. Now, you have a case of a woman married to a man that in, in the event that she actually has relations with him after he became a Petsuodaka, after he experienced this male organ injury, that renders her unfit or disqualifies her from eating truma. But the, as we said, the Mishnah says that until that point, though, she is allowed to continue eating truma. We describe this situation as what's called mishtameris labiapsula. She's wait. Mishtameris means she's waiting for uh, intimacy that's of a forbidden nature. A pitzuadaka is not allowed to remain married to a regular uh, Jewish woman. So the. As we said, the Mishnah teaches that until they had their intimacy after this injury, she is able to eat truma. So the Gemara, let's read the Gemara now. Mantana, who is the Tanaic authority that tells us Mishtameris Doraisa Ochla that a woman who is Mishtameris to for a biapsula doraisa. Once again, bia is intimacy, intimacy which is which is against the Torah. That's intimacy with the Ptsuadaka. Uh, Ptsuadaka is not allowed to have intimacy with a rank-and-file Jewish woman, even if it's his own wife. And yet the Mishnah says that she continues eating truma, even though she's anticipating this... Um, she's, the, the word Mishnah can mean anticipating or waiting for 
the a biopsula unless he would divorce her, so she is in effect waiting for intimacy with him. So the Mishnah indicates that even though she's in this this uh, state where she's anticipating or waiting for biopsula for uh, for ill for a uh, prohibited bia, she's still entitled to eat from the truma. Amar Abelazar b'machlekes shnuya. Rebelazar, Rabbi Shimon, he, the Amora, Rebelazar says that this is a point that is controversial, and the opinions of Rebelazar and Rabbi Shimon, they allow. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Afilu Temo Rabbi Meir, you can say that our Mishnah is even in accordance uh, with Rabbi Meir. Shiny Hacha, the case here is different than the case of let us say an almona uh, that is married to a kohen, that is uh, marrying or is going to be married by a kohen gadol or a grusha chutz is a kohen hediot where if they did not consummate their marriage you find Rabbi Meir saying that it is prohibited for her to eat truma because a, an almona widow is not allowed to marry a kohen gadol. Likewise, a gurusha, a divorcee, is not allowed to marry a, a standard kohen. So, if a standard kohen had been ma'ares, had uh, betrothed a divorcee, she is waiting for a biapsula. According to Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon, she is allowed to eat from truma. According to Rabbi Meir, she's not allowed to eat from, from truma. So Rabbi Yochanan points out, though, that our Mishnah that allows the wife of the Psuadaka to continue eating from Truma can be even something Rabbi Meir would agree with. Shiny Hocha, why is this different? Why is the case of the woman married to the Psuadaka, to the Psuadaka Kayin, why is this different than the Grusha that was betrothed by a Kohen? Why there, by the 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 Grusha betrothed by the coin does Rabbi Meir say she's not entitled to eat from Truma and yet in the case of the uh, wife of the Ptsuadaka coin she is allowed to eat from Truma until he has intimacy with her so Rabbi the Gemara says this is different Shikvar Ochla she has she had already been eating legitimately before the husband Cain became a Ptsuadaka before he experienced this inter- injury was of co- totally kosher marriage. And through that, she was eating truma. So that even Rabbi Meir will allow her to continue eating truma until she actually has intimacy with the tzuadaka. Rebbe Lozer, now Rebbe Lozer, the Amora, who did not, uh, doesn't agree that Rabbi Meir would allow. Why not? This, so he answers this consideration of shekvar ochla, lo aminan. The fact that she had been eating truma legitimately before her husband experienced the injury, the injury that's not a factor. If you don't agree with that, if you don't say thusly, then what are you going to say about the following? Bas Yisrael Shanisis Lekayan Umeis Baila A non-Kohen woman means her father was a Yisrael that married a husband Kohen and the husband died. And the, we'll just add, and there were no children from the Kohen. 
Tochal, are you going to say that this Bas Yisrael is entitled to eat Shekvar Ochla because she had, she had been eating while her husband was alive? We know that's not the case. A Bas Yisrael whose husband, Koyin, the Koyin dies, and there are no children, she, she stops eating Truma. Ah, Klar Ochla, she had been eating once. That doesn't make a difference. So why in the case of the w- woman married to the Ptuadaka should that make any difference? Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan responds. He says, "Hosam poka kinyone." In the case of the Bas Yisrael that was married to the Cain, when that husband dies, the whatever uh, uh, binding force between them that had existed is voided. It doesn't. It it expires. But here, the woman who was married to a Ptsuadaka, she's still considered his wife. She's an Ashesish, even though it's also for her to cohabit with him. So this is much, much more different, much, much more different than the case of Rebbe Meir's stringency of preventing the the uh, grusha to the kain hedya from eating. And as far as the svara of a kvar ochla is concerned, that is is not something uh, that uh, that that uh, let's see will will in order to to uh, deny that svara because of the case of the Bas Yisrael Shemisa the Kain. That's not the reason for denying that svara. That's as far as a Rabbi Yochanan's approach. Ezu Ptsua the topic heading that we have for this piece of Gemara is very simply Ptsua Daka and the Gemara gets into the details of this injury so what is a Ptsua Daka Tanu Rabbanan, Ezu Ptsua Daka what is meant by that type of injury called Shiniftsu Beitzim Shelo Vafilu Achas Mehen the term Beitzim in this context is a reference to the man's testicles so Niftsu means they were Injured, uh, they uh, they experienced a uh, they experienced some type of of impact. Even one of them, a, a regular healthy male, has two. So a tzuadaka is considered such, even if one of the two were uh, uh, victims of impact. Vafilu nikfu, vafilu nimoku, vafilu chosru. Even if they were. Uh, pierced. Nikfu is uh, from the word nekev, a hole. They were pierced. Even nimoku, this has to do with something that dissolves. Afilu chosru, even if it is missing. Even if a small amount is missing. All of these are considered psuodaka. Amar Rabbi Yishmael, Benosh Rabbi Yochem Ebroka. So Rabbi Yishmael, the son of Rabbi Yochem Ebroka, says, Shamati mipi chachomem bekerem biyavne. I heard from the scholars that learned in the town of Yavne, in, in that community, the uh, assembled uh, students were set up in rows, like a vineyard is set up in rows. So hence, Karen Biavne is a reference to the yeshiva in Yavne. Kol she'en lo elo achas, any man that has only one beitza, and I'll in the brackets there is a, a language that needs to be uh, needs to be repaired needs to be corrected so if we skip the brackets for a moment uh, the Chachomim uh, had said in Karen Biavne that any man that has uh, one Beitzah 
Harehu Kisris Chama V'Kosher. He is viewed like a Sris Chama. Chama is the uh, is, is a type of maybe called fever. Literally, it's the sun, but it's a case of Sris. Srisus is a a male who's incapable of procreation. Sris Chama means it's something that came as a result of the of heaven uh, heaven's ordaining thusly. In other words, as a result of some kind of ailment. So, if a person is has only one beitza, they say that he's considered like a sris chama, and the Torah does not prohibit a person like that. The, the Torah asks is only someone that experienced impact uh, or or some type of crushing. Let's go over the Gemara again with the bracketed section. The Chachomim and Karim B'Yavna had said, Kol Shein Lo Eino Ela Sris Chama V'Kosher. He has one Beitza, he is a Sris Chama. So the Gemara has Sris Chama Salkadaitoch. What the Gemara is bothered by is that Sris Chama is an ailment. A person that has only one Beitza that's his nature. He, it's not a sickness. So how can the source say that uh, one who has only one beitza is a sris chama? When, uh, once again, a sris chama is uh, a situation where he became sterile as a result of a sickness. And this person was born with one beitza. So the Gemara answers the refined languages. Harehu kisris chama v'kosher. He is like a sris chama, just like a sris chama, just like someone who is sterile as as a result of a sickness. He is not disqualified from marrying into the Jewish people, from marrying other rank and file Jewish people. The Torah, when it discusses. Um, sterility or impotency as a result of the items mentioned in the Torah that's a ptsua, that's a a, uh, impact, doch is a crushed, or korus is something cut. Some action had to have happened to that area of the male reproductive system before he can be considered disqualified and rendered uh, um, uh, prohibited from marrying into the rank-and-file Jewish people. The uh, Gemara asks, V'nikev loy moilid? If they were, if the beitza um, uh, was, was punctured, are, uh, as the uh, source had said, uh, we dashed underline the word, and you'll notice we have a little uh, arrow to the side of the Gomorrah text, so you can see in the source it said, Fafilu Nikvu, merely uh, punctured. Is is that really so that Nikav is not, Molid is not capable of reproduction? Vahu Gavra, there was an incident with a man, the Solik Ladikla, he was, uh, he had gone up a palm tree, the Charze Silva Babetim. Silva is a uh, literally it's a thorn. Uh, the the palm tree it has actually very pointy uh, outgrowths from it, 
And so, uh, as he was climbing the tree, so one of these uh, pointy, well, either pointy leaves or thorns that are characteristic of the dikla of the palm tree, punctured him there in the beitzim. Venafak mine kechut de mugla, and and they, they noticed that some like a a stream of of uh, mugla mugla is often uh, it's translated as pus. Some type of uh, liquid that that came as a result of that particular puncture injury. Valid, and that man was able, and that man bore children anyway. So what do we see? We see from that story that a, uh, a puncture wound to the basin does not create sterility. The Gemara responds: Hal shalach shmuel rav the Omarlei shmuel had sent a message to Rav and saying bonov go check out go check out where his children really come from Rashi points out very simply Zonsa Ishto this man that experienced this puncture injury to the Beitzim really was rendered sterile the fact that his wife to whom he was so happily married uh, seemed to uh, bear to, uh, become pregnant uh, after his injury, that does not indicate that he is the one that impregnated her. But rather, the woman went ahead and had some type of um, illicit relations, and that's what impregnated her. Because her husband, after this injury, in fact, is rendered sterile. Omar Vihuda, Omar Shmuel. Psua daka bidei shamayim kosher. Let's take a look at Rashi. Bidei Shemayim means some type of natural cause. Heaven's, uh, heaven is responsible through uh, a, a very loud thunderclap or hail or he's born that way. Someone like that then, even though he may have experienced the injury, but it was bidei shamayim. He is kosher. I mean, the kosher means he can marry a, a rank and file a Jewish girl of pure descent. Omar Rava, Hainu de karinon p'tsua, velo karinon ha The Torah refers to him as the p'tsua daka, not using the he letter before the word. Had that been the case, that would have indicated that he was born like that. But the Torah doesn't say, it just says, indicating that if it were, that if someone were born that way, uh, with a uh, uh, some type of testicle deficiency, he would still be kosher. The Masnisatana, we have a Tanaic source, that says, Nemar lo the, the Pesach warns against these two types of people of marrying into the Jewish, uh, the Jewish community. A Pesua Daka is, is warned against that, and a Mamzer, an illegitimate child, is warned against that as well. It means the, chi- uh, the child, we use the word child, means the offspring of... of uh, um, of an Isur Arias, where they, the Mamzer is a, we call illegitimate, 
not in the common uh, contemporary terms, but it means that the uh, mother that bore the child had been impregnated through a forbidden type relation, forbidden to the tune of Kores. So just like the case of Mamzer, a child is born, it's a decision someone made to have that intimacy, that's Bidei Odom, so Afkan, so to the prohibited Tzuadaka, is where it's something that was human uh, instigated, human caused, and not uh, at the hands, not as a result of something heavenly. Omar Rova Ptsua Bechulan Doch Bechulan Krus Bechulan This will be explained as the Gemara goes on. Just, per, per, uh, just note that in the Torah, the term Ptsua Daka appears and Krus Shavcha appears as being injuries that affect those particular organs of reproduction of the, of the male. Ptsua Bechulan Ptsua we explained before has to do with uh, an injury as a result of impact three organs that are of concern to us one is the gid the male organ that is associated with circumcision uh, we explained before what the beitzim were the chute beitzim are the tubes that connect the beitzim themselves to the uh, male organ, from which eventually the uh, male seed is emitted. Doch bekulan. Doch is crushed. So we, nip potsua, we said is impact. Doch is crushed. Bein shenidach hagid, bein shenidchu beitzim, bein shenidchu chute beitzim. Krus bekulan. Krus means something that's severed. All of these problems will render the man a Ptsuadaku Kruzshavcha, and hence he is forbidden to marry a woman of Jewish pedigree. Omar Lei Hahu Mirabonan the Rava. A certain uh, Rav asked Rava, or a student asked Rava, who is to say that Ptsuadaka that the Torah refers to is at the male area of reproduction? Maybe it's a person who experienced some type of head injury. Rashi explains from the fact that. Uh, Generations were not numbered. Rashi we're looking at is in the on the fourth narrow line. In other forbidden relations, the Torah mentions up till a certain uh, number of generations. For example, in Mitzri, it says that in Mitzri is forbidden until the third generation. The Mamzer, the Torah, makes reference to ten generations. In this particular disqualification of Tzuadaku, Kruz Shofcha, you don't see any generational reference. So the Gemara continues, It must be that the deficiency is in, in, in that place, the place of reproduction, namely, he's incapable of producing even a next generation. 
the Gemara asks, Maybe that which the Torah doesn't mention generations, the Ihu Hu Daaser Brei Ubar Brei Kosher. Maybe it simply means that it's a type of injury that renders the person himself prohibited, but his son or grandson would be allowed. So how are you to know that Tzuadaka is a reference to a reproductive type injury? The Gemara answers, Dumia de Kruz Shavcha. It's taught in the Torah in the same context as Kruz Shavcha. Ma Kruz Shavcha Boisamokam. Just like Kruz Shavcha is taken to mean at this point, at that, at, in, in that spot where uh, the issue of reproduction is a factor. So, af hai nami, so too the Ptsuadaka is ba'oisoi mokom. It's re- an injury regarding the area of reproduction. The Gemara asks, Krus shofcha gufei mimai de ba'oisoi mokom hu, emo misfosei. Krus shofcha, who is to say that it is at the male organ of reproduction area, maybe it is a function of his lips, now, the, the word shofcha means pouring out. It's an issue of some type of liquid release. So maybe it means that his, his lips are cut. Uh, the lips is the area from which saliva uh, drools. So the Gemara answers, shofcha ksiv, the mokoim sheshofech. The injury that the Torah refers to is at a place where the liquid is shofech. The word shofech um, indicates something that spills out as opposed to something that is hurled at a distance. Uh, saliva doesn't spill out. It's something that one would spit at a distance. And the word shofech is not indicative of that. So we, we exclude the lips being cut. The mechotmo if it's a function of something that doesn't go at a distance, maybe it means his nose is cut, where there is uh, nasal uh, secretion, which uh, spills, so to speak, as opposed to hurled at, at a distance. So the Gemara says, no, Krus Shofcha doesn't mean Chotmo is a reference to the nose. Miksiv Krus Bashofuch Krus Shofchoksiv. Again, attention is paid to the grammar. It doesn't say Krus Shofuch. The uh, Rashi explains, Miksiv Krus Bashofuch, Mimokum Horogi Ulishboch Koyden Lochain. Does it say that the area that is that customarily liquid comes forth was cut? Again, linguistically, Krus Shofchoksiv. Does not reflect the nose. Rather, Krus Shofchok, see if Misha'al Yedei Kriso Shofech, Shalloa Yedei Kriso Eno Shofech, Elo Mikaleach. The Torah is describing something that as a result of being cut, it now, the liquid spills, as opposed to without being cut, it if it, it comes out as a as a stream. Mekalech means a, a stream with a certain amount of force to it. But when the organ is cut, so then it, it, it simply it spills out as opposed to uh, being emitted with a force. La fuke high to the exclusion of the nose, the ED whether it's before it being cut or after it being cut, shofechu. All that happens with regard to the nose is that the uh, the uh, 
nostril, the nose secretion is shofech. It's it pours out, it, it dribbles out as opposed to being hurled out. Uh, just to refine the last point is EDVD means whether it's before being cut or after it being cut, shofechu. Krus shofcha, just to repeat ourselves, indicates something that as a result of the cutting, a change in the way the liquid is emitted. And that is applicable to the organ of the male organ of uh, gender organ as opposed to the nose. tona. Here is a second approach. In a Tanaic source, it's taught nemar lo yovo. And again, this is a second approach to establishing how do we know that psua daka is an injury to that area that constitutes the male gender organs as opposed to something else. So we have in a Tanaic source. Uh, the Torah uh, excludes, disqualifies these kind of people from entering the marrying into the uh, pure of uh, pure pedigree Jewish people. A Psuadaka and a Mamzer. Just like the Mamzer is a function of intimacy, which involves that particular area of the male anatomy. So too, the Ptsua Daka is something that has to do with that particular area of the human anatomy. Nikev Lamato Meatora Shekinegdoi Lamalo Meatora. Here we need Rashi to describe what's being described. We're dealing, of course, with a Nekev. A Nekev is a hole, a puncture. Nikev Lamato Meatora. Rashi says, Besoif Hagid, at the end of the male organ. Klapi karka facing uh, groundwards. The hole starts there, and we're talking about an injury right now, not something that's natural. A hole starts at the lower part, at the end of the male organ, and continues in an a di- upward diagonal fashion. And it comes out, the other end of the hole is closer to the body, uh, above the Atora. The Atora is a raised piece of flesh that is a characteristic of a circumcised male that, uh, that appears cl- uh, close to the end, but not at the actual very end. The, the very uh, last few uh, uh, millimeters of a male organ is basically simple flesh, which is... In terms of halacha, you will see it's somewhat inconsequential. Here, however, the hole started in that part, the low, the lowest end, the lowest extremity of the male organ, and it continued upwards in a in a diagonal fashion, ending up above the atora. So, what does this do as far as halacha is concerned? Sova Rav Bar Abba Lachshuri. Rav Bar Abba was of the opinion that since both holes are not above the atora, only one hole is above the atora. This doesn't render him uh, unfit. Omar Le Rabbi Asi. Rabbi Asi addresses Rav and says, "Hochi Omar Rabbi Shuben Levi, atora kol shehi me'akeves." Rashi says, "Kol shehu kevan shanekev oiver derech al pinei kol ha'atora." Since the hole uh, emerges above all of the atora, the atora again being that ring of raised flesh toward the end of the male organ. Here, the hole 
emerges above that. Even a, a hole of, of a very minor nature, it's culture, a very small hole, nevertheless interferes, prevents um, procreation. The Gemara continues with a quote from the Mishnah, Daf Ayin Amad Aleph. V'im nishtayer me'atorah, afilu kechut hasayra kosher. If uh, the, there remains a, even a, a hair's breadth of atorah, uh, even though below that point the uh, male organ flesh was cut off, but if there remains uh, above the, uh, if there remains even a uh, a kol shehu, kechut hasayra means a hair's breadth of of uh, Atorah, then he remains kosher, he's acceptable. He's acceptable to marry into the Jewish people. Yosef Ravina Vekoma Bayalei. Melo Hachut Shomru. When the Mishnah makes reference to Melo Hachut, a uh, hair's breadth of, of Atorah that remains Alpene Kula o Alpene Ruba. Does that mean? in the entire circumference of the male organ, or simply in the majority of the circumference. Omar lei Rabba Toisva le Ravina. Rabba Toisva says to Ravina, Malo Achut, Alpenei, and here we have a common problem in the Shas, we call it a Girsa version problem. The text as we have says, Alpenei Ruba, the Klape Reisha, as long, it's, as long as it, it surrounds the majority, and Klape Reisha means Let's, uh, Rashi says Litzad Gufo that it's closer to the body. That is the uh, that's the amount that remain that remains the majority of the circumference and that which is closer to the body. The Gro indicates that there's an alternative girsa which is more strict and that's Apane Kula. We continue in the Gemara on the side of the Gemara we have a Nosei Mivne uh, heading. The uh, double underline, which you can see in our Gemara, uh, highlights the names Rav Huna and Rav Chista. And these opinions are Cholkin, Be'inyan, Gid, Kekumus, and Kemar Zev. Here we're talking about uh, an injury to the male organ, leaving it in the shape of either a Kumus. A Kumus, I think if you're familiar with what a fountain pen looks like or a possibly a bottle cork assuming that the bottle cork is is uh, wide significantly wider at the top and it narrows it tapers down to practically a point at the end so a kumus literally is a quill so if you're familiar with the way a writing quill is is shaped it tapers to a point so here the male organ is cut away in such a way that it it tapers to a point and Marzev is a is a roof gutter. Uh, it's that type of uh, semi-circle uh, or U-shaped um, drain gutter that runs along rooftops. That's a Marzev. So here we're dealing with a male organ that how exactly how it happened the Gemara doesn't mention, but it's been cut away, leaving it looking like that. So that the the flesh, uh, a good portion of the flesh of the male organ has been cut away, it not the, the tubes that re, uh, remain intact, but the uh, but the basic the basic organ itself 
leaving, though the tubes are left intact, but the other flesh that constitutes the male organ has been cut away, leaving it, it looking like a marzay, this U-shaped uh, entity. The Gemara is concerned with uh, the topic we've been dealing with till now. At what point is a person going to be disqualified from marrying a uh, woman of pure Jewish pedigree? When we the the mamzer, or I should say the p'tuadak and kushavcha, the those who he can marry are limited, but not a rank and file pure pedigree Jewish woman. Omaravuna kekumus kshera kemarzev psula. If the organ is shaped like a kumus, it's kosher. The, the quill shape, the tapered to a point shape, it's okay. However, if it's in, it, it looks like a marzev, the man is un, is unfit. High sholet bo avira, high low sholet bo avira. Sholet bo avira means uh, wind or air has. Uh, has an effect. Shalit means rules over, but it means it's affected by the air. And the issue here is that the the wind or the exposure to air will uh, disable the male seed from fertilizing and creating procreation in a uh, in its in his union with a female. So shalit avira is something that. One, one would want to avoid. So if it's shaped like a marzave, uh, that is what's going to happen. And the the seed will be uh, rendered, uh, will, will be disabled because of the, uh, basically the, the temperature drop that's affected of those who are familiar with these areas of, uh, of uh, human... Uh, um, uh, reproduction know that the temperature of the male seed must be maintained at a certain degree of warmth in order for it to be capable of procreation if it's exposed to the air and it's hence the temperature drops so it doesn't uh, it's, it's it's rendered it's uh, d- disabled from being able to uh, fertilize and procreate but if it's shaped like the kumus, that the uh, the seed that's in the tubes uh, is preserved at the right temperature till the end. Verav chista omar kemarzev sherok the kumus psul. You'll notice that Rav Chista takes an opposite approach. The marzev shape is okay; he's still kosher. The kumus is is not good; is he's rendered unfit. And why is that? High gorid, high low gorid. The word gorid, uh, you can associate with friction. And we're talking here about, in the case of the act of intimacy, in order for the male to be stimulated, so there has to be gorid taking place. And if the organ is shaped like a marzave, so the basic circumference the basic circumference is maintained and that brings the male to stimulation which will result in the uh, the required ejaculation necessary for reproduction if it's if it's kakumu so it's it's very narrow and it's tapered uh, tapers down to a to a very to a very uh, fine point where the whole organ basically is lacking 
uh, or most will say most of the organ is lacking in the necessary uh, diameter in order to achieve gorid. Omar Rava Kavose de Ravhuna Mistabra. Rava prefers Ravhuna's approach, where the uh, Marzev is puzzle and the Kumus is okay. High, low, Sholet, Vo Avira. The Kumus is. Uh, prop, has proper temperature maintenance. The air doesn't influence it. The high, the marzev though sholit bo avira, avira. The avir, the air does have an effect and will lower the temperature of the seed, rendering it incapable of procreation. Now you might ask, but nevertheless, isn't there still a problem of the uh, the gorid when you're dealing with the kumus shape? So how can Rava Paskin like Ravuna when the Kumus presents the Gorid problem. The Gemara answers Midi Dahave Abarzo de Chavita. The explanation of that is that Gorid can still be achieved even though it tapers to a point. Nevertheless, uh, closer to the ma- man's body, to the male's body, it has sufficient um, diameter in order to achieve. The uh, the uh, necessary uh, um, conditions for the male stimulation. Uh, a, a barza de chavita barza is a is a stopper of a of a barrel. So if a barrel, let's say, has a has a hole in it for releasing its wine, so you will stop the hole up if it doesn't have a proper spigot to it. You can stop it with what we would we might term a bottle cork. And we have an illustration on the side uh, which attempts to show the idea here that even though it tapers to a narrow end, nevertheless, at the other extreme of the bottle cork, the, it, has, it has a sufficient diameter. At that point, by the way, it, it matches the opening of the barrel, and hence it, it's an effective sealer of the barrel. And using that imagery, so one can imagine then when... Uh, male-female intimacy is experienced, the necessary stimulation can be achieved all the same. Omar Lei Ravina Lemreimar Hochi Omar Marzutra Mishmei Derav Popo Thusly said Marzutra Hilchosobain Kekumusbain Kemarzev Kshera Whether it's the Kumus shape or the Marzev shape, the man is acceptable. Mihu miboyo le lamato meatora o lamalo. But the question that is raised is it below the atora or above the atora? So the Gemara answers pshita de lamalo meatora. It's obvious that we're talking about the uh, the uh, situation exists the, either the kumus shape or the marzev shape exists. Even above the Atora, I might say, even though it's above the Atora, it's still kosher. If you were to think that the uh, issue of these shapes, kumus or marzev, is limited to something below the Atora, even if the whole area below the Atora is completely cut away, he's still kosher. So there would be no need to uh, to uh, point out that if below the altar was kakumus to kamaz, they'd certainly be kosher. They, so this this last point would seem to be very obvious. 
So what was um, what was Ravina even saying to Maremar in the first place by by saying that well that this represents a question? The answer is so obvious. The Ravino Lishibushi the Maremar who the boy. Ravino will first say the, the 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 meaning of this is he was Ravino was just trying to see if Maremar was on his toes. Now the literal translation is Ravino was Lishibushi was trying to mess up uh, Maremar to put. Uh, to create a, let's say, a sense of doubt regarding something that in truth is obvious just to see if Miremar was sharp. There was a, a, a man, Uvda literally is an incident, but it's an incident involving a man where his male organ appeared like a marzave. Shafye mor baravashi kikumus v'achshure. Mar baravashi appears to hold like Ravuna, and that in the Marzev shape, according to Ravuna, he would be unfit. So what Mar Bravashi did, it seems that there's some type of uh, operation that he performed, and he reshaped the man's uh, Marzev uh, organ to look like a kumus. And, and with that, he was Mahshir the man. So that, as once again, looking like the kumus, so the uh, the zera, the male seed, is has it, its, temp, its proper temperature preserved, and when we saw before, as far as the gorid is concerned, we have the barza de chavita analogy. Hahu uvdo Pobadisa, There was an incident in the city of Pobadisa. Istatim gufsa ktanim. The male organ emits in general. Uh, liquid waste, urine, and semen. However, the two uh, actually come out, even though they're, it appears, uh, when one looks at things superficially, it appears coming out the same point. In truth, it's two, it's two separate tubes. They're separated by a very fine membrane. So what happened here in Pulpadisa is that the male seed tube got sealed, and the semen was emitted from where the ketanim, ketanim is a nice word simply referring to mei raglayim, or uh, urine. So the, the shichvazera, the male seed, the semen emitted, was emitted through the uh, area that the uh, urine would come forth. Sovar Rav Bevai Barabaye Lachshuri Rav Bevai was of the opinion to say, that's okay, he's still kosher. Omar of Popo Rav Popo, Rav, Omar of Popi Rav Popi reacted to Rav Bevai, and he reacted harshly, and he said, "Mishum da asisu, because you come from me muloi, we're at the top of the ayin vov." Uh, there are different explanations of what muloi is, but uh, um, Rashi's explanation: he comes from Beis Eli. He's a descendant of Beis Eli. Eli was the Kohen Godol at the time of Shmuel Hanovi. And uh, his sons had behaved in an improper fashion, and they were punished by uh, not ever reaching, uh, a, uh, to, to basically to die young, to die at 18, at a young age, uh, with Torah learning and with uh, chesed, so one, even they could e- extend their lives. But the idea is it's a, it's a type of cut-off people, so that you're a descended from cut-off people, and you say cut-off things. In other words, you say uh, 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 improper, foolish things. Uh, 
And what's Rav Kopi trying to tell Rav Bevai? How can you machshir the guy? Mevashla means to be um, literally to, to be uh, ripe or ready. In this case, it means the male seed is capable of of, uh, of fertilizing. When it comes out, its right location. But shalobim kom, if it doesn't come out the right location, so it won't be capable of providing, uh, of of um, of creating uh, procre- of uh, uh, fruitfulness, procreation. Uh, one has to just pause at a gemara like this, which could ostensibly appear to be a rather cut and cut and dry halachic section, but there's something to absolutely marvel at. You're dealing with uh, location differences that are measured probably in microns. And and he is saying that with this very minor location difference, that will make all the difference in fertility. Uh, and, and with that in mind, you see when the Almighty created uh, his creatures, and here we're talking about man, it was done with such precision and and uh, life goes on and we're able to maintain this precision, precision in, 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 under healthy circumstances and yet when a, such a minor alteration or injury takes place all the difference uh, in the world is, is experienced. Something, once again, to marvel at the level of precision that exists in the Bria.